I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of All Things Policy. Today as my guest, I have Shambhavi. Shambhavi heads research at Takshila Institution. Hi Shambhavi, how are you? I am good, Harshit. Hello to all of our viewers. Hey, listeners, not viewers. Yeah, it gets a little confusing sometimes. Shambhavi recently released her findings on a heritable gene editing survey she did for the Indian audience. And uh, the findings are really interesting and we would like to discuss in this episode. So Shambhavi, before we go ahead, can you give us a TLDR on what exactly gene editing is? Okay. So basically, if you think that your physical characteristics are, say, a word, right? So if you have a black color eye, and if you think black eye was going to be the genetic code, so the alphabets B-L-A-C-K-E-Y-E are the genetic code that basically creates the black eye's color. What? So the genes are basically the alphabet, right? We have the B-L-A-C-K, but... In genes, it are ATKC. And you can basically now take an eraser, rub out some of the alphabets, and put new ones in or change some of them. So you can remove ACK and put UE. So you have blue eyes, right? And the actual person will have a blue eye. The example I'm giving is a little hypothetical. We are not that close to converting eye color in as simple a manner as I said. But that is the basic crux of what gene editing is. It allows you to change the alphabet of life, which is your DNA, and allows you to then change some of the critical physical characteristics of your body. Now, when I say that, it means that we need to know very well in the human body what a particular gene or the particular alphabet is doing. And once we can correlate a particular gene with a particular characteristic, we can use genetic editing, genetically edited tools. We can use tools for gene editing to then correct the alphabet or edit the alphabet to change the characteristic. So putting this in other words, the example was very nice though. So putting this in other words, so we are basically trying to change the blueprint for the human body and see if we can change it and we get other results. But uh, how are our capabilities on this front and first of all, how successfully have we managed to sort of match a specific set of genes to a specific characteristic. Right. So your first question, how good are we are doing this? So we have been doing this in bacteria for ages, for decades, right? In labs, we have been doing genetic for many, many years. In humans, we have been trying for a few years now. There are two technologies called talons and zinc finger nucleases. I won't go into the technical bits of this. Those have been tried for a few times. But our latest technology that is currently being used is known something known as CRISPR. And CRISPR allows us little more precision when it comes to making these changes, right? So it is less costlier. It is a more amenable method. So people using this for gene editing plants, animals, humans, etc. The first few trials are already on the way. So CRISPR is very promising because it allows us a greater dexterity in changing human genomes with precision. The problem with a lot of the other technologies is that you might go and try to change 
one thing, but you might end up changing a lot of other stuff that you did not want to like impact at all. Right? So that is one problem of using these technologies in humans. Because basically you have this gigantic gene code and you want to target only one particular area. So what CRISPR is allowing you to do is then focus and you know do this a lot better than the other techniques that we have been using so far. So that is relatively quite new. And one of the most fundamental uses of this technology is then to figuring out what genes cover what characteristics in a human body. And that is the most fundamental use. So this is a thing that a lot of people say that gene editing is bad, gene editing is unethical, we should not have gene editing. We kind of disregard that the most fundamental use of this technology is to help us understand the human body better. So having said that, we have, I think, barely scrapped the surface of the mystery that the human body is in terms of physical characteristics because genes might control different characteristics in different parts of your body. There are a whole of other biochemical processes that happens on the gene that can regulate the way a particular characteristic is or behaves. Also, a lot of genetics, it's not an on and off switch, right? It is not black or blue like that. There's a lot of fine-tuning that happens, uh, which requires a lot of processes. Again, a lot of products of other genes get involved in that fine-tuning. So it is very easy to mess up that way. And it is very complex for us to understand exactly which characteristic might be controlled by what. One of the things that is very easy for us to do, actually, is to figure out some of the causes of diseases which are genetic in nature, right? Yeah. Leucemia, for example, sickle cell anemia, for example, where we know that a particular genetic change has led to this disease or has led right. to that disorder. So there we have a lot of information. For a lot of physical characteristics, it is a little more difficult. Suppose you want to increase muscle tone, right? What all goes into into determining muscle tone and how much genetics really play a role, etc. And more complex things like intelligence, uh, how the brain works. I mean, we are not probably scratching the surface there. So it's a little more complex than just, you know, we have the tool and we can use it. We still have a lot, lot more to explore. So we still have to find out what does what. There's no one-to-one matching and... Uh... There's a lot of unknowns right now, but this technology, I think CRISPR has made it better and easier and more targeted for us to do yeah. certain kind of edits in our blueprints. Yeah. yeah. So initial sort of inspiration from for this survey that Chambavi and Taxila did was a Pew survey done in the US on the same lines and they had certain interesting insights into this. They took into account your education how religious were you, your views on other uh, technologies, your views on abortions, and try to map them to your views on specific applications of gene editing. So this survey is basically trying to do that, but from a, for the Indian population. So Shambhavi, how similar is this to the Pew survey and how is it different? So just before I get to that, two main applications of gene editing. For okay. the for this survey, I've done three because I found the third one to be very interesting. And this is also the major difference between the pure research survey and our survey. So the first bucket that a lot of people look at is therapeutic, right? So you know that a particular gene is causing or a mutation of a particular gene is causing a certain illness or a disease. And you try to revert that back to what is normally found in nature. And therefore, you alleviate the disease like thalassemia, sickle cell anemia being the classic examples. You have hemophilia, certain cancers, which are genetic in nature, where you know that this gene causes this disease and you want to rectify that gene. Right? That's therapeutic. Second yeah. is enhancement, uh, where you're trying to improve something that is already existing. 
this could be stuff like muscle tone this could be intelligence and this kind of is an outstanding question on gene editing on whether those kind of applications should be allowed or not because this one is a question of ethics is it ethical for humanity to take over what has been ordained to be you know nature or for some people god's work etc so is enhancement really ethical and that is the whole point of this survey as well so i'll we'll come to that as we go along the third one which the pure research group had not looked at and we did was cosmetic which is a physical characteristic that is changed without any therapeutic effect on the without any understandable physical therapeutic effect such as lightening of skin tone or like we spoke about changing of eye color right so this for me is a very gray area because a, a lot of people will then count this as an enhancement kind of application because you are improving something but by saying that improving skin tone i think that automatically you're putting skin tone into some sort of a bracket that you did not have a good skin tone and now we want to improve it so you want to say lighten your skin tone no that should not be counted as an enhancement because your skin tone is fine according to me right on the flip side of that is obviously when you consider that a lighter skin tone is a good thing for you my concern is that there might also be therapeutic benefits for yeah. lightening you know society which judges you on your skin tone right you might be harassed for your skin tone and using generating to change that might actually have a therapeutic benefit for your mental health but yeah. under what bracket would regulators actually put this i don't know this is one of also my pet peeves with india's regulation when it comes to generating so the the form of generating that we ask for people for in the survey which is heritable so you do it in children which means that future generations also will have it the applications for that are currently banned in india we allow some research for up to 14 days on the embryo Uh, we do allow the non-heritable form of gene editing based on an application uh, manner, and uh, the characters basically read that the gene therapy has to be therapeutic in nature, but yeah. we just don't know what therapeutic is. So we, I leave it at that. So and that is the key difference between what the few researchers looked at and what we looked at is that along with the basic questions on therapy, so should gene editing be used to treat a disease uh, or reduce the risk of a disease? Should it be used to improve intelligence? you also asked the question of should it be used to lighten skin tone yes sir expanding on your skin tone example for instance maybe if you are uh, living in a place with a lot of direct sunlight and yeah. having a darker skin tone makes you less likely to develop skin cancer yeah, that is a therapeutic application i think the line is very blurred and yeah. it will take a lot of yeah thinking yeah, and uh, maybe cosmetic angle is very, very it's very nuanced Yeah, and I don't think we have really thought through what we want to achieve with generating some characteristics. I think with some things it's quite clear, and luckily those characteristics, such as for example treating cancer or anemia, those are also the low hanging fruit for generating currently because we understand right. the genetics of some of these things very really good. So, but yeah, I don't think we have thought through this completely. Yeah, I think it needs more thought, and maybe as a society. what do we consider to be purely cosmetic and do we should there be a distinction between therapeutic and cosmetic or i don't know i'm still thinking out loud yeah i don't know either i mean there is why hence the survey i also wanted to understand how other people feel about some of these applications uh, and their use for generating shamoy before we proceed uh, i think we should take a short break and then we can continue discussing the survey sure results on the other side then Welcome back listeners thank you for staying tuned in now for the results so this had a lot of interesting and 
uh, maybe a few counterintuitive results. Shambhavi, so what's your favorite? What's your one favorite thing you got out of the survey? Then we'll discuss the other things. My one favorite thing, okay, every, uh, some of the questions that we put in here was about abortion rights and in vitro fertilization, IVF rights. Uh, the idea there being that a lot of people who feel that heritable form of gene editing specifically is unethical is because it's transgressing God's work, you are going against nature. And it also, the process itself, heritable gene editing, in most cases you will take an embryo, which means you will have to do IVF. Then you take the embryo, uh, you will genetically edit the embryo and put it back into the uh, womb where the child will grow. And and the other embryos that you will have, you get at the time of the IVF, you will have to discard, which is technically an abortion. So you are killing all of these extra embryos as well as you are changing what nature or God should have been doing. Right? Uh, yeah. So a lot of people who have issues with abortion should technically have issues with gene editing because it is going to lead to some form of death of the embryos. And this we see with other views as well. So a lot of people who are religiously inclined. So for example, the Vatican had pressed this, put this release out that gene editing by itself is fine if it wasn't going to lead to the death of embryos. I'm paraphrasing here, not in those exact words. And what I found was that in India, there is a lot of acceptance for abortion at 24 weeks, even beyond 24 weeks for medical uh, reasons. Let me just put in this disclaimer. This is a small sample set of 372 respondents that we have analyzed, right? So the survey is still on, but we wanted to do some preliminary analysis. Uh, but what was overwhelming is that a majority believe that for medical grounds, abortion is okay. Less than 24 weeks, which is the current legal term limit on non-medical grounds, is also okay. And IVF had an overwhelming majority who were like, IVF should just be allowed. And this is the one case where a negative result is actually quite, I'm quite happy with you. As a scientist, usually when you get negative results and you can't do any analysis, you're sad. So how Indians fared with their views on abortion and gene editing. And they were just overwhelmingly, everybody was happy and approving of IVF abortion and uh, gene editing. So I'm actually quite happy. What was your question now that you have read the survey a few times? Yeah. So the, first of all, piggybacking on your thing, I think because abortion and Reproductive rights are not as politicized as in the US, then maybe we are more accepting till now. So, yeah. but I was not expecting this much acceptance, even from the cohort that we have taken the survey from. But this was surprising that we have so much acceptance even after the legal limit. And I think if we had not made the distinction, maybe it would have not made the distinction between medical and non medical grounds. Maybe people would have still agreed overwhelmingly for an abortion post-24 weeks. I don't know, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. maybe. I think my favorite thing is the distinction that people have between therapeutic and cosmetic. Okay. So, I personally would not want eventually the regulation to differentiate between both of them. But there has been differences in the results and people view, uh, I think, cosmetic as maybe... The least evil way. or not a good application of this sort of life altering technology but therapeutic they're all right they're like uh, it's all right modern medicine it works but as you begin to transgress into maybe changing god's work for cosmetic purposes and i don't think a lot of people can agree on what uh, i think we discussed this earlier on what exactly cosmetic is yeah but, so the, the service is designed not to ask about like with specific examples right so you want to treat a serious condition 
you want to reduce the risk of a serious condition you want to lighten skin tone and you want to make the baby more intelligent so the surveys gives examples then yeah you're right everyone's like ha as long as it's treating or reducing the risk of something that you can say is a serious disease or condition it's fine but if it is enhancement if it's cosmetic then it's a no no yeah then it's a no go then it's a bad thing yeah I, i was a little surprised i had not thought that people would think and make even between the question in which they say making the baby more intelligent to maybe a serious condition I, and intelligent and lighting the skin tone they are in the similar percentages the results that people don't want a uh, gene editing to make the baby more intelligent or lighten yeah. the skin tone i would have hoped there would be a distinction between intelligence and skin tone but yeah, there i just think that was hoping for because i am really intrigued by this cosmetic change and how that will impact people and i think that just requires a little bit more thought so this survey was administered as an online thing but i think if we had spoken to people then we you know and had an exchange or a conversation about it there might have been different views that came out of this conversation but yeah i was expecting a little bit more there as well however the the idea that uh, people are okay with therapeutic uh, applications but not so much with enhancement is actually quite lower in nature so i mean previous surveys done among australians among the japanese among social media users and overwhelmingly we see that people are okay with the use of germline gene editing or heritable gene editing for disease alleviation but not for enhancement yeah but i was hoping for a distinction between intelligence and skin tone i thought so, people viewed intelligence as a good thing to have i would like to be more intelligent and i would like everybody to be more intelligent skin tone is a cosmetic thing and i think it's a personal choice so it's up to you but yeah well, i don't want to stick my skin it's this thing also feeds into the uh, what people look at as a risk of gene editing right so when we ask people what they felt was the most likely uh, outcomes of using uh, germline gene editing the majority people felt that increased inequality was going to be yeah. a problem uh, and that was because of accumulation of wealth and i think that is the kind of fear that people have is that you know the wealthy will use their gene editing to make their children more intelligent and they will take up the jobs and you know stuff and then they just keep on accumulating wealth while the poor people won't be able to then compete and i think it that feeds into that whole why you shouldn't be using it for enhancement yeah but uh, so a counterpoint to this inequality thing could be if people are more intelligent maybe they're more empathetic so you would like more people to be more intelligent and so they become more empathetic and then okay, then what does empathy have in common well if you're more intelligent why do you have to be more empathetic yeah so because eventually you would like that, that i will sponsor everybody to get you more empathetic <laughs> I don't think this research would say that this is my thought and this was a wild thought which came to my head but I think there's a correlation because you would expect people who think more clearly and more vividly to have a clearer view of the world and see the sort of injustices in the world better and maybe try to improve them just a thought no Aww. this is not a scientific kind person to think that so is this your feeling of all of your bosses that we are very intelligent and empathetic i as yeah. if i hope you think that your bosses are intelligent yeah yeah <laughs> which means so, that they are also empathetic so uh, for context sambhavi is my boss so yeah yeah <laughs> there is no right answer here <laughs> so you are empathetic and intelligent chapri thank you totally or not also just as a just as a plug in here we are also looking for a third person to join our team so if you think that this conversation is something that you find interesting 
I'll want to have more of to do writing this because we're looking to hire somebody in the advanced biology program at Texas. Yeah, but yeah, and we are also taking responses for the survey once again. So it's a it's on a rolling basis. We'll put the link in the description. You can always go and add your views, and we want to get more diverse views and from a lot more people. Yeah, right. Okay. It takes such a to bring me back to more serious conversations. Okay. Uh, but I think the whole, the whole inequality thing is, it's very interesting because it also comes from this idea that currently gene editing therapies, whenever they become available, are going to be extremely expensive. And therefore, only the wealthy might have access to it. Which actually come, brings us to a really interesting point as on the ethics of doing germline gene editing. It's that if only... If we know it is going to be expensive to begin with, a lot of medical technologies are. And as time yeah. progresses, these things become cheaper and cheaper. You look at DNA sequencing, for example, started off at a billion dollars to uh, sequence the human genome, now costs about $100 to sequence the human genome, right? So the costs are bound to come down as long as there is demand, right? If there is demand, it's going to be research. People are going to try and find better ways of doing gene editing. It's going to be that the technology is going to improve and it's going to get cheaper. But mm-hmm. yeah. if only the wealthy can access it. And the wealthy are the people who want to have cosmetic changes. As I believe mm-hmm. like, How ethical is it for us to then say that no, the wealthy cannot do what they want. Especially when we know that when the wealthy do what they want, it might create demand, it might lead to better technology, it might lead to cheaper technologies. Which means that the, those who want to really use gene editing for elevating disease, those who are really suffering but might not be able to afford it right now, may be able to afford it in a few years. And this I think is... One of those hard things about gene editing, because just calling something ethical, non-ethical, it, it is really not that simple. It is not that black and white. This emerging technology space is, is ethically just mired in layers and layers of nuances. And I don't think any one policymaker, any one community can just sit and call something out as ethical or unethical. This is, yeah, it is for every person. It is the whole applications, the situations are going to be so lot complex. Uh, to navigate. What do you think, Arshad? Yeah, I think uh, the argument about only rich people using this is quite dicey because all new technologies, medical or otherwise, are expensive in the starting. And uh, eventually when the use picks up, they get cheaper and become more accessible to everybody. If you want to stop a technology because you think the applications would be bad, is a different thing. But you shouldn't stop a technology because you think the rich will use it to their advantage. Medical technology help you live better and live longer so yeah yeah and this is why government policies actually play a role right we need more research going on in india for germline gene editing we just do i mean otherwise we are going to wait till somebody else does some experiments finds a cure and then it will be like oh we need to now bring it here but obviously the technology is already patented the application might have some workforce getting in here so if you want to have something tailored for the indian population i think we need to have a lot more research on gene editing applications uh, within India itself, which we currently, I think, are not having so much. And since government spends most money on our R&D, we need to think of this in a mission mode. Um, yeah, we need to maybe bring it to the government that gene editing is something that uh, at least some part of the people care about, at least the ones who are more aware about this. And you want better research, better, and then eventually better regulation and better application. Right. And yeah made that point. Right? So the two things that are very consistent across a lot of the surveys for gene editing across the globe is that those who are aware of gene editing technologies are usually more accepting of it, which is, just means we need to create more awareness. 
and the other is that people with who have very strong beliefs in their religions uh, in their faith uh, are less likely to accept gene editing as a tech. which means that if there is really tomorrow a cure for thalassemia that is that comes from gene editing and it is of I mean, India has a very high burden of thalassemia then we want to be working with religious groups etc to get people to adopt the idea that this is from a religious point of view this is fine it shouldn't be a problem please go ahead and cure your child of thalassemia yeah uh, so what do I really want uh, from people so I think some of, some of the action points from the survey are this right that we need to create and bring in that nuance that various applications of heritable gene editing have different adoptability or acceptability views uh, amongst Indians we want to see more of these therapeutic uh, sort of applications we want them to be affordable which means we need more research uh, and we need better communications from the government to raise awareness of gene editing technologies and particularly work with religious groups uh, to increase adoption across people who are highly religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So engaging with religious groups will be eventually quite important for us to increase the adaptation of this. Uh, yes. I think highly beneficial technology. Yeah. So Shambhavi, wrapping up, do you have any concluding remarks? Yes, please take the survey if you have not done so already. So this, the analysis that we have presented so far, that we'll link to in the podcast, obviously, is based on a small group of 372 people. But we would like to have many more responses. We would ideally like to have the survey to represent uh, India as it is. So uh, if you have not done so, please uh, do take uh, in the responses. India currently bans the applications in heritable gene editing, uh, but that just puts us on the back foot. I agree that there are certain, there are a lot of concerns which will creep in uh, when we start doing more of germline editing research. But the way around that is to have that conversation and create uh, strong safeguards. It is not just to ban the technology itself. Yeah, that's my takeaway from the survey. Ashish, what did you think of reading the survey? Yeah, so I think there were some surprises which I found to be quite surprising. Yeah, but... Uh, Surprises to <laughs> How, uh, I have eventually realized over the course of my life that surprises tend to be a little surprising. I think the, my main takeaway would be that we need to first of all learn more about what the population thinks and eventually also learn about what the policy makers think, the one who are dictating policy. So that then you can mold your messaging according to that and also make the narrative and make the discourse a little better. So that uh, eventually when a lot of applications come out, we have some kind of idea on what we want our regulations to be. Good. And if you, on a very side note, if you really like the banter that Harshit and I had, have a background in biology and interest in policy, please do think of joining our team. Yeah, please, please. We, our jokes are getting old. We need more people and fresh jokes. Yes, Harshit needs somebody else to bully on. Okay. Okay. Thank you, listeners, for chiming in. Please consider filling the survey and please consider uh, joining us. We are fun people and we do fun things as interesting things. Yes, yes. We are fun people because we say so. <laughs> Thanks, Ashit. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, 
Check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in.